We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com BE. If you've been listening to Transformative Principle for any amount of time, you know that I have a love-hate relationship with EdTech. We have the ability to personalize learning for every single one of our students, and yet so many of our ed tech tools fall short. We need our technology to do more for us. That's why it's so important for me to know that IXL provides true personalized learning across the entire pre-K-12 curriculum, and that it's proven to benefit all student populations, including English language learners and students in special ed programs. As a principal, I've used this in my school. As a parent, I've had my children use it as well. And let me tell you, this is a tool that definitely helps students learn and practice better. IXL is research proven to accelerate achievement. Studies across 45 states show that IXL schools outperform non-IXL schools on state assessments, and independent research from Johns Hopkins University verifies that IXL meets ESSA Tier 1 standards. With those results combined with IXL's teacher-friendly reputation, what more could you ask for? Now, you also know that I don't care so much about test scores, but I know that they are legislatively convenient and something that we have to deal with and manage on a day-to-day basis. If you can implement something that is easy and effective, why wouldn't you do it? If you have a goal to increase achievement for all students, make sure to find out what IXL can do for you. Visit IXL.com slash B for a demo. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle. Let's talk about flex time in schools. If you've been listening for a long time, you know how important I think this is. It gives us more time for personalized learning, increasing choice and agency for students, and the increased enrollment that comes with it, dedicated time for intervention and enrichment, 
And overall, as school leaders, it gives us and our faculty more tools to increase academic achievement. But the implementation and management of flex time can be so tough. Tricky logistics and a lack of clear accountability systems can prevent teachers from buying in and can hold us back from ensuring students make good use of their time. I'm pleased to share that MyFlex Learning provides a solution to these challenges and more. MyFlex Learning helps you create and manage flexible time for any purpose. And with seamless SIS integration, a student locator, flexible daily rostering, and an intuitive mobile app, it eliminates the common challenges of implementation and management. Want to see for yourself? Visit myflexlearning.com B to learn more about it and receive $500 off the first year of use. That's myflexlearning.com B-E. I help you stop putting out fires and start leading. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Welcome to Transformative Principle, a proud member of the B Podcast Network. I'm so excited to have you join us today. I'm your host, Jethro Jones, and I'm excited to have Matthew Ebert on the program today. He is a human-centered leader with 20-plus years of experience in education, primarily focused on school leadership in urban settings. Matthew's consulting is grounded in his experiences as a teacher, director of academic innovation, academy leader, and a decade of successful leadership as a public charter school principal. Throughout his leadership tenure, Matthew has developed teams that exceed expectations, consistently achieving strong results. He is committed to cultivating healthy work and learning environments in which individuals feel seen, heard, and valued. In addition to helping team members consistently attain their personal and professional goals, Matthew has facilitated dramatic and consistent growth in student achievement in both Baltimore and Boston in metrics focused on academic achievement and school climate. Matthew's leadership is based in the idea that we are all here to take care of one another. Matthew, welcome to Transformative Principles. So glad to have you. Thank you so much for having me on, Jethro. So what's the big takeaway for you from our conversation today? That if we want to make schools into long-term, successful, joyful, human-centered communities, we need to prioritize how we take care and how we empower the adults who work there. Very good. I think for me, the big takeaway, Matthew, is I really like what you said about care versus accountability and how while those may seem diametrically opposed, they're really not. And so that's a good thing. The other one is you touched on, we didn't talk too much about this, but you touched on one of my pet peeves, which is when people say that our school is like a family. And if you read the research about mind development by Ryan Godfredson in the book, The Elevated Leader, which I interviewed Ryan on this program. One of the things that he says is that people who are at Mind 1.0 say, this is a family and we're all here and we belong. Mind 2.0 is this is a team, but Mind 3.0 is we provide value to everyone around us and we lift each other up. And and I think that is really powerful. That's really what you describe throughout our conversation today. So I look forward to having this conversation with you, and we'll get to that interview with Matthew here in just a moment. So, Matthew, let's start out by talking about how you created this culture in your school where staff felt valued and empowered. Yeah, so 
I think the first thing to know is that there's things to do when cultivating a culture of care and things to avoid, right? Creating any kind of intentional culture needs to be ongoing, authentic, and accept the fact that it's going to be messy. So the things that we did intentionally were creating my schedule to have one-on-one meetings with all of the staff, weekly, bi-weekly, or monthly, so that we could share and talk. And sometimes those things focused on being a first-year teacher and just trying to make it through the day without crying. Sometimes it focused on what it's like to be a working parent with small kids and balancing. And then over time, it built into instruction and relationships and who we are and living our values. So we did things like that. We did specific things like flattening our communication and making it more cohesive. We implemented a Slack as a school-wide communication tool so that we made all our communication in one place. Anyone who works in schools knows that it's not a communication system in schools. It's a miscommunication system. There's walkie-talkies, there's text threads, there's emails that are all unread. So we moved it to one place and that really flattened it and democratized folks' voices because creating culture of care means empowering and amplifying teacher voices. So I think those pieces were really important in terms of things to avoid. We really focused on avoiding performative care An appreciation week is nice, but not if it's not followed up with every single interaction being mindful and showing folks that you value them. Happy hours are fine, but sending the message that we need to be together after school isn't the right strategy. We want folks to be present at work when they're there and present at home so they can come back to work being whole. I like that last one, especially because that is something that, that I've thought about a lot. One school I was at, we did happy hours pretty regularly. And it always felt like this awkward thing of, do I have to go if the principal is going to be there? Do I have to show up? Am I going to get, you know, uh, demerits if I don't show up or something like that? And I just think that's like, that's totally true. Be present when you're there and be present with your family when you're not there. And uh, one of my big, one of my big things is about homework that it's unethical for us to give homework because we shouldn't be telling families how they should be spending their time. And anytime I, I bring that up, I talk to teachers and say, would you like me to give you work to do outside the school day? And they're like, well, I already do a ton of work outside the school day. I said, I know, but I don't tell you that you need to do that. And there's a big difference there. So, so tell me about Slack. I tried using Slack as a, as a school-wide communication tool. My big problem with Slack was that, Slack is designed for people who are at their computers pretty much all the time. And Slack only lasted a very short pilot in my school because I did not want teachers to be having anything feeling like they needed to be at their computers. So tell me a little bit how that worked. Absolutely. And I think like any mechanism or implementation, like it's all on the groundwork right? So from the one-on-one meetings, from those conversations and buy-in, from watching things, we needed to find a way to streamline and make communication more cohesive and also to reduce things that didn't need to be done the same way anymore, right? So my last year, after 10 years, we had six staff meetings for the whole year. That was it. And one of the major reasons was Slack. So yes, 100% agree it's designed for a different reason. But if you allow a freedom for folks to use it as they need, it becomes a very different tool, right? So one of the big strategies we use to 
you know, create a sense of ownership and wellness and retain good folks is autonomy. So Slack was there with multiple channels. If you needed help with a student, you slacked on admin and it went to somebody's phone or somebody's watch, not mine. I can't deal with that noise or their computer. If you needed a bathroom break, it went to that channel. And there were things that you'd need to look at every day. Honestly, I had most channels muted most of the day, except for the ones that I needed. So instead of having a walkie talkie and only the AP could get in touch with me, I had 20 sets of eyes all over the building. And I think things folks saw that value. And there were some folks who barely ever used it because they didn't need it. And that was okay too. The last piece I'll share about it was that this virtual space became this place of like hilarious community. You and I both know there's no one funnier than teachers, maybe nurses, but their stories are the best, right? And this team building, it happened in this virtual space on Slack on random. People getting into the arguments about which peanut butter is the best or which apple is or some hilarious thing kids said and what it led them to think about. And so folks saw the value in Slack. And we also had conversations about not needing to and turning it off and how it allowed folks to have continuous meetings even when they weren't in the same place. So the way I really describe it is that it turned us into a team. And if you think of football, it allowed us all to see the same field at the same time. But I hear you, getting folks to do a new thing or build a new thing is hard. It worked in our space because people understood and saw the value and it integrated the rest of the systems instead of becoming another add-on. Yeah. And one of the things I really like that you said there is the idea of continuous meetings that when you say it like that, like we need a better name for that because that doesn't sound great, right? <laughs> Agreed. But, continuous conversation. Yeah. But then the other part of that is that like if you have an opportunity to not stop the meeting just because the time is up and it becomes part of your day rather than the separate other thing that you have to do and go to, to me where the really powerful part of it comes in because you don't have to say like, we can only talk about this during this meeting, but really like this is an ongoing conversation and it's too big of a conversation to get nailed down in one 45 minute session, right? Absolutely. And it allows you to make real-time adjustments, which I think is so hard in schools. The teacher sees a hotspot in most places with kids. Like how do you get that somebody else's attention and this was easy. Hey, the bathrooms are pretty busy today. Can someone hang out there for a few minutes or be present during transition, right? So that divide that often stands between administration and teachers, it goes away. And the biggest thing, the thing I always talk about is it let teachers get bathroom breaks whenever they wanted. And there is just nothing more valuable than yeah. that. Which is so crazy. So Let's change the topic just a little bit because you sure. talked about one-on-one -on -one meetings with staff and how they don't start out as like focused on instruction. And yeah. I think that's really powerful. <clears throat> there is a difference between personal and professional development. And it sounds like you started with the personalized development, the personal development rather than the professional development. Can you talk a little bit about that and why that is so valuable? Absolutely. So I think the thought process for me behind all of this work is holistic. And it's the same way it is with kids. If we want our adults to model foundational relationship building with kids, to be able to see them as people, somebody's baby, right? A, someone who contains multitudes, then we must do the same thing with the adults because 
They don't just come to school every day and show up to work. They are parents. They are caretakers. They are people just trying to get to the day. And so for me, I would say instead of saying there's a difference between personal and professional, I would go with the personal is the professional. And that allowing that space for evolution is important. So in those conversations, for younger folks, we talked about leasing cars, paying rent on time, having a roommate, whether or not they should get off their mom's insurance, all those things, checking on their 403Bs, things that maybe if you're lucky enough to you know, get to 40, 50, 60, you don't think about, but if no one taught you those things, then you don't know them. You know? And so by doing those pieces, by making space for those conversations, it allows them to trust you the same way you want to be able to trust them and the same way you want kids to trust them. And then you can talk about anything. One of my favorite notes from a, a teacher was that you let me try, fail, cry, and gave me the space to try again. And I think, you know, we're here to take care of each other. That's the game. And if you can show folks that you're there for them outside of evaluation, they'll be there for you and want to be part of the team. Yeah. So one other thing you mentioned that that I want to go back to is six staff meetings in one year. And tell me what your staff meetings looked like and why you only had six of them. Yeah. Our team was tight knit. And since we stayed together a long time, many of us, our staff meetings could devolve into joyful, hilarious ruckus within 30 seconds to a minute. They were a good time. The real answer is with the inclusion of one-on-one -on -one meetings, with the inclusion of Slack, with the implementation of continuous conversations, we didn't need to meet as a team all the time. And there wasn't a benefit. There's a fantastic book called The Art of Gathering by Priya Parker, talking about right having mindful, intentional gatherings for whatever purpose. I was not gonna bring the staff together for no purpose. And so we had one email per week from me, maybe two, a memo and a, maybe a midweek memo with a values-based missive, missive and operations where it needs to be. We had Slack for continuous conversations. Grade levels and teams might meet either virtually or in person. So in-person meetings, when we had them, were meaningful. We would have staff present on something they'd been doing that maybe bubbled up in Slack, as in maybe Mrs. Hunt's arts integrated lesson was incredible and staff saw it and was like, hey, can we get her to present how to do it? Or Miss Santiago's lesson was fantastic and everyone should see this. Those are the conversations that we had. Um, it was teacher driven and us giving the space to have it and see how we could replicate it. By doing things like that, by having those one-on-one -on -one conversations, by having those focused meetings is how we went from a school where we had school, but maybe no clear vision, no clear mission to a school that was arts integrated, project-based learning, standards-based assessments, blended learning, all driven by teachers. And that piece of it being driven by teachers is totally different than when it's driven by administration. At one of my schools, we had 35 initiatives in three years, and nobody felt like we were over-initiated or whatever it is, over-initiated. And that kind of sounds like getting shivved in prison, over-initiated. I kind of like that. I'm going to you don't want to over-initiative people. Okay, I'm <laughs> going to play with that a little bit. That's a good one. Yeah. The The thing that was so powerful was that everybody felt like they weren't being 
forced to do things because it wasn't coming from administration. Those, I think there was maybe one or two of those initiatives that came from administration where I was like, this is something that we really need to do. And it was just so powerful to see people say, no, actually, this is what we need to do next. And that's a really powerful thing when teachers feel like they can say that and then they actually get to do it. And I love that. Absolutely. And, you know, what I'll share is that everything we did was a slow rollout, right? We'd pilot in a space, we'd test mm-hmm. it out. We'd bring it to the group for discussion. We'd iterate and move forward. And some things didn't work and that's okay. Yeah. And it is okay when things don't work out, especially when it's just, I'm trying an experiment as opposed to, I have to do this thing because my principal told me and I don't yeah. even believe in it. Yeah. I think the value is that we talked about all those things. Mm-hmm. The standards-based grading came from two teachers, one for a one-on-one conversation and one wrote in there. So each month I had the staff, instead of me write a memo, one person per year wrote a memo um, each month and about our kids not thriving in high school as freshmen sent into these really competitive high schools and then some of them were just not thriving and we knew that the grades were not an accurate reflection of their actual reading and math abilities because grades are so much more than just reading and math and science and so when we recognized that and they wrote about that and talked about that well then we piloted standards-based grading in a classroom or two then we talked about it then we made a 1.0 then we made a 2.0 you know and we just kept trying to get better which is what school should be about Yeah, and so often though it's not, and it's about being compliant and you know just doing the things that you have to do because the district says so or whatever, and that's that can be Absolutely. really challenging and it is stifling. Yeah, and I think it's important to know also that you were in a charter school where the yes. accountability often seems much higher because it seems like it's easier for you to be shut down for poor performance. (laughs) Yeah, I think there's a couple of notes that I always share with folks because I don't want anyone to think I'm comparing apples to apples. So one, I led a very small public charter school in Baltimore City, right? And that has its pros and has its cons. What I'll share though was, you know, we're a Title I school. We were a lottery we took from all over Baltimore City with no preference given location-wise. And we we had a mix of human beings, a mix of kids from all over. In my time, in my 10 years, we got renewed twice by Baltimore City, which is how it works, which is different than a lot of other school districts for charters. We got a five-year and an eight-year renewal. Those were the highest amount of renewals you could get, the longest number of years that we could get. And I think the way we did it speaks to that you can do things differently, that you can focus on innovation instead of compliance, that you can focus on adults alongside kids, and that if you can retain high-quality educators... You don't have to reinvent the wheel every year and things will get better over time, but it's the long game and you have to be able to lay that foundation and put in the work. Yeah, I like that a lot. So talk to me about care versus accountability because those seem like two opposite things. Yeah, I think somewhere in the language we get lost because they're not. My wife holds me accountable. She loves me. She cares about me. I hold my children accountable. I love them and I care about them. Schools are not families, they're teams, but just like hospitals and maybe like sports, they're filled with humans whose personalities shine through all the time. 
And so we can care about each other. And if we can show each other and believe that we care about each other, then we can hold each other accountable. And it's not a dirty word. It's not about evaluation because it can mean instead of, hey, you're late today. Hey, I noticed you've been late for a couple of days in a row. Are you all right? What's going on? What can we do to serve you? Because caring about each other doesn't mean being best friends. Caring about each other means if I take care of you and you take care of me, then we better serve taking care of our children. It's funny you bring up that comment about somebody being late because I had a teacher who was always getting after kids for being late to her class. And she was always late to whatever meeting we had, IEP yeah. meeting, faculty meeting, what have you. And it would have been so easy to throw her hypocrisy back in her face. And I was determined to not do it. And my assistant principal even was like, Jethro, she is always late. Sure. And every single time there's a kid late to her class, she like flips out. <laughs> How are you not like throwing this back in her face? And I said, look, I don't care about tardies. Like, it's just not that big a deal. And we can get all bent out of shape about it, but we don't have to, we choose to. And in this situation, I want this teacher to know that I'm glad she's here at whatever thing we're doing. And so yeah. I'm just going to say, I'm glad you're here. Welcome. No big deal when she says, I'm sorry for being late because I don't know what's going on. And like, that was not a hill that I personally was willing to die on. And so I'm not going to go after her about that. Now, here's the really amazing thing. She was terrible as a teacher and was not doing a great job. I was very accountable about those things because I did care about that. And I knew she wasn't happy and I had a lot of care. And I said, you look like you're miserable. Why are you still here? What That's are you right. still doing? That is accountability and that is care, right? Because if yeah. we care about each other, then we're honest. Mm -hmm. And I also wonder, right? Like to your AP's point, and I get it. It's just like, yeah, but you want that person to model for the kids. When kids come in late to school and someone barks at them first thing, why are you late? Versus I'm glad you're here. That's the message. But I'll also share that when I started being in charge, I cared a great deal about punctuality too much. And it was a real pet peeve of mine that I was upfront about, but still cared too much about. And the place that I got to work at gave me the space to evolve and get better about that, to understand that like who I was at 30 was not who I was at 40 and my ability to see the whole picture changed because people gave me that space to see it. And I think that's how places get better. And I think we keep each other accountable over time. I was not the same person who came in to take over my school. I got better. And because I got better, the place got better. Well, and this is a really powerful point also about you knew that it was a pet peeve and you hopefully said, this is one of my pet peeves. Oh, up front. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And so I've done that with a lot of different things and some things I haven't done a good job with that on and they yeah. would annoy me and I wouldn't know why and be able to articulate yeah. it. But man, let me tell you, once you say, this is one of my pet peeves and it always annoys me, then it changes the dynamic. And Absolutely. you're like, okay, now that I said it, I don't have to get as upset, number right. one. And number two, now that I've said it, everybody knows and they can intentionally choose to do that yeah. just to get under my skin. <laughs> and I've given them the recipe to do that. Yeah. And 
And I'm okay with that because, you know, maybe that's how they can have a little bit of control in their life. And that's okay too. Like it's not the end of the world. That's right. Yeah. So, so my last question I like to ask is what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative principal like you, Matthew? Stop going to meetings and start showing up in classrooms. Realign your schedule with your priorities. You want those folks in those classrooms to believe that you believe in them, show up, be present, and be supportive. Yeah. I like that. That's a good one. All right. How would you like people to to get in touch with you and learn more about what you do? Sure. So I'm active on social media, on LinkedIn, Ebert Educational Consulting, and on Instagram at Ebert Educational Consulting, and on Twitter at Ebert Education and love to stay connected along with my website at ebereducationalconsulting.com. And for folks who reach out and connect and sign up, I'll make sure to share out really some clear and concise ways to start cultivating a culture of care in their schools today for themselves, for their adults, and for their kids. Very good. Well, thank you, Matthew, so much for being part of Transformative Principle. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE.